Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Starting hour two here on a gorgeous, beautiful, summery Saturday on Utah Car Sense presented by Mark Miller Subaru. I am Austin Horton. Eric Jensen producing for us today. George Roska in for Jeff Miller, general sales manager of the Mark Miller Subaru Midtown store. Uh, George, what are your we, – we were talking with Jeff a few weeks ago about – summer plans and traveling and how it has changed. And I was curious as to people's uh, plans this summer, if they were leaving for, if they were going to take vacation, if they were going to, then how were they getting there? Were they going to drive? Were they going to fly? Has it changed? Are they the same since the coronavirus pandemic hit the travel industry? What, what about you? You travel quite a bit. Are you hesitating at all to travel? And if so, why? Um, or why not? Yeah, I, I do travel a little bit. And, and we just got back um, just a couple of weeks ago from a road trip. We were um, on the Oregon coast for about 10 days. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to travel in general, but I would be I, I, I would travel differently. Right. And we traveled completely differently this time than we've ever have. Um, and in the past, we used to stop a lot more. Um, just go to many, you know, maybe stop in Portland, get some lunch there, visit a few things. And this time we just, we just drove straight through. Mm. I tried stopping as little as possible. My, my poor wife, <laughs> unfortunately, she had to deal with that and not uh, getting as many rest stops as she would like. But, um, you know, we definitely disinfected the Airbnb when we got there, even though they said they, they do it a lot more. Um, we got takeout more, we cooked in. We just did things a little bit differently, but it wouldn't stop me from traveling in general. I mean, depending on where you're going. What about flying? How do you feel about flying right now? Um, I, I would get on a plane. You know, I think, again, you take the precautions. You, you wear a mask. Um, you, you sanitize. You try to distance. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to be on a packed flight. I, I'd feel a little more comfortable if they would space out, like they said, the, the middle seats, not book those. But it sounds like... Airlines didn't really keep to their word on that, and now I hear United's just going back altogether to where they'll they'll book the metal seeds fully. Yeah, yeah. So that's and I'm going to be one of the slowest to get back to regular travel in that regard, but that's just my nature in general. I, before a pandemic, I was that I was hesitant to be in big crowds or anything that's of public use a lot anyway. And so I'll be one of the slower ones to get back into it. But I, I think you're wise to say, yeah, yeah, you'll do it, but there's got to be still certain parameters that you're not willing to – that are deal breakers for you if the if the industry won't match up with you on that, like the middle seat. And uh, if, you, if perhaps your Airbnb had said uh, a little disclaimer that said, you're responsible for disinfecting this Airbnb, you're probably not selecting that Airbnb. Uh, at yeah, this probably not. You're going to move on and, and look at one that was uh, that was already disinfected, but and then do um, it yourself when you get there. I think that's wise too, like yeah. you said you did. But it was in, I'm interested to, to know if people are still carrying on with their their vacations this year. And obviously, there's economic uh, decision based on that as well that goes into whether or not you are blessed enough to be able to travel right now. Uh, with how many people have lost their job and are still looking for work. But in the in terms of traveling itself, I'm interested to see uh, the studies that are that come out after this year and say whether or not the industry of travel took a large hit or any hit at all, uh, or if it stayed the same, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. I know that Jeff, the Oregon coast is popular at Mark Miller Subaru. Jeff was telling yeah, us he was headed there. Yeah, we've got a few fans here that, uh, that <laughs> like to go up there, and I think Jeff just got back. Yeah. Um, but there were, there were people up there. I mean, it wasn't as busy as it normally is. I've gone during, you know, June, uh, a couple times before, and it, it can definitely be packed, um, where you're getting a little bit of traffic on that highway 101. But sure. this time there, there weren't as many out of state plates, I would say, but there were still definitely people out and about. Where did, where do you hit? What are your hunts there along the uh, coast? We went down. So we basically did like half the coast from Astoria, um, up North, right on the Columbia river. Um, and drove basically down to Newport is about as far south as we got. Okay. Um, and it's, oh my gosh, it's just a beautiful stretch line of, of coast. The beaches are wonderful. Food's great, great people. And, uh, Oregon's just wonderful to visit, but, 
um, just be safe if you go, you know, do, do things differently. Don't go out and just take this as permission to live your life as you were before. Yeah. Um, there's still that vi- the virus is still out there. And in fact, it's getting it's getting even more prevalent. So we, we need to increase our awareness, increase our, our precautions. And, um, you know, we, we stayed at a hotel in Boise on the way back. And they did a great job. Um, they had, you know, plexiglass up at the, at the front desk when you were checking in. Um, they had um, basically a touchless check-in where you could do it all through an app on your phone, um, not even have keys that you could just have room keys on your phone. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and I would say everybody there uh, took, a, took the precaution seriously at the hotel we stayed at. Um, we did want to go out and eat at one place. And when we saw that they weren't being as serious and uh, they weren't taking precautions and the place was packed, we just decided not to go in. Yeah, and that's how people are, are going to be making decisions uh, going forward. I think the plexiglass, those things, I think we're going to see a lot of establishments make those permanent changes uh, just going forward. But we'll, 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 that time will tell on that. Have you ever been to, is it Cannon Beach? There's like a, a yeah. hay, Haystack Rock and, and things like that there. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And Cannon Seaside. Beach is, is awesome. Seaside, yep, we, we yeah. visited all those spots. God, uh, I love those Anita, Rockaway Beach. Yeah. Uh, gosh, there's so many beautiful places to go visit in Oregon. It's a nice um, spot. Nice spot. Anywhere along there. Uh, and when I, well, unfortunately, when I went, I didn't quite make it down to the Tillamook factory, which is still a oh, great yeah. regret of go. mine. Yeah. Uh, they just know how to do it. They know how to do their dairy at Tillamook. And I didn't get a chance to do that. But if, if you're traveling this summer, you can call us 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. I'd love to hear how and where and what your thoughts are on traveling right now. Uh, I think international travel will take the biggest hit, you know, especially, I mean, you're talking right now in the news where they might not let um, people from the U.S. into the European Union, you know, and and, and what's that going to do to the the airline industry and the hotel industry over there? And so there's definitely impacts to be had until the, the virus is under control. Travel will definitely take a hit. Yeah. Hey, uh, have you heard about this uh, stay safe, stay active order in Salt Lake City, George? Yeah, I was just reading up on it, actually, uh, on the break. Um, it's it's a new thing that, well, with COVID, right, right. where um, they've closed certain city streets in order to give people room to spread out and social distance because so many people were kind of crowding the parks and the trails. And um, I thought it was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and in fact, they they tried it in a couple places west in West Salt Lake City uh, back in April, I believe, and now it worked so well that they are planning on opening up a bunch of other places. And you can go to slc.gov or just Google SLC Stay Safe, Stay Active, and there's a list of the streets they're considering doing this to, and they they're asking for you to give your feedback and provide information as to why or why not you'd support it before they make those decisions. But this is this is something that for many years pre-pandemic was happening in Europe, in Asia, in South America, in big time cities, they would close down streets for periods of time, if not permanently, to provide more walkability uh, and commute without vehicles for people to recreate in the street essentially and have a place to do so. And now that the pandemic has hit, this country has adopted those practices in a lot of different cities uh, around the nation. And we'll get back to what Salt Lake is has their plans on uh, or has plans for in that regard in just a moment. But I want to make sure we get a caller on the, on the air here. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. If you got something to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. And Sean is here to talk with George Roska. Hi, Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey, guys. Thanks for calling so, in. What can um, we do for you? It is my pleasure. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, well, first of all, we're not going on vacation this year. We normally go to visit my mom and my in-laws on the Oregon coast and in Washington. And since there's a small chance we could be taking the virus with us, and since mm. they're all elderly, we think it is not a good idea. Okay. <clears throat> but I also wanted to talk a little bit about range having to do with Tesla's. Okay. And so, don't laugh at me too much, but the first car that I um, owned was a Plymouth Horizon TC3. And that vehicle had some problems, but it had one awesome strength. 
which is that it would go a really long way. So, for instance, I went to graduate school in Pasadena, and then I moved here. And in that car, I could go from Pasadena to here, stopping just once for gas. Wow. Um, that wow. would, I guess, be in Mesquite. I think it was in Mesquite. My bladder was very powerful back then, so I could just take some sandwiches, make that one stop, and, you know, either direction, one stop. I made it a really efficient trip. Then the cars that I've had after that, um, none of them have been able to do it with one stop. I always have to make two stops now. Mm. But um, my current vehicle, which is a Tesla Model X, it would probably take four stops to do that, which is just not acceptable for... Um, a long-range highway drive, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see, after the upcoming battery day, whether the increase in range is going to be enough that you could make that drive with two stops, you know, like from here to St. George and then St. George to Baker or something like that. That'd be great. George, um, what, what are you, what's your reaction there? I know we talk about this uh, quite a bit with each other. Yeah, no, that's a great thought. I think that's really one of the things that's holding a lot of people back from going fully to an electric vehicle is they do take a lot of road trips, myself included. And yeah, it would it would be tough for me to do a road trip in a Tesla with how many stops and how long you have to stop for it to charge. So I would love to see some innovation there, whether it's faster charging times, longer ranges, longer ranges would be ideal. Um, but that also comes with, you know, weight and other things. Um, battery technology unfortunately hasn't progressed as fast as some some other things but um i i fully agree i think that's one of the things if, if you could make it to where you could have a even a 700 mile range in, in a in an electric vehicle i think you'd see adoption skyrocket well but there's very few vehicles out there that have a 700 mile range you know it's like the gas-powered SUV that my wife has, um, driving at highway speeds, its range is between 280 and 320, depending on what direction the wind is going and so on. Um, yeah, and, no, and, and the, that's, a, the, that's a good point, but it, it also doesn't take as but, long to, to refuel. You're refueled well, in five true. minutes versus, yeah, I don't know how long Plus it takes on a you Tesla. Don't to, you don't have to worry about where you run low on gas, right, because there are gas True, yeah, everywhere. yeah, that's a good point, too. And you could you go pretty much anywhere. About it with the Tesla. So the other thing is that the range that, this would also be true for a gas car, but, you know, the range that Tesla quotes is kind of fake. You can achieve that range if you're driving on the level at 50 miles an hour, but you can't achieve anything like that range if you're on the highway going 80 miles an hour. Right. And so I would estimate that when they say that the vehicle has a range of 450, then you could drive at 75, 80, and make it from here to St. George, which would be a 300-mile drive. And if you can do that, then you could go to Southern California with two stops, or you could go to, um, you know, Oregon or Washington with two stops, and things will be okay. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there, there Sean and, and George. I, I, for me, I think if I'm going to pay a, a little bit more for an electric vehicle, I would like to make it from, you know, I hear what you're saying with the two stops. I can make that two stops in my gas vehicle. Right now, from uh, from Salt Lake to St. George, and then St. George to, as you mentioned, Baker or or a little beyond. I if I'm in an electric vehicle that costs a little more, I want to make it all the way. But that's not feasible right now, and maybe not in the next twenty years. Who knows what they're going to be able to do? But you mentioned that new battery that Tesla is uh-huh. uh, talking a lot about. What is your confidence, Sean, as a Tesla owner uh, and a Tesla consumer, in that battery actually improving range enough? to where more people like me will stop looking skeptically at the decision in my own life to, to buy an electric? Well, you know, they keep putting off their, what they're calling battery day. It was supposed to be in May, and now it's going to be in September. Mm-hmm. I think for the criteria that I just gave, I think it's a flip of a coin whether um, there's going to be enough range in the next cycle of cars, the ones that are available, say, at the end of the year this year, which is going to have presumably some updated batteries. Mm. I would guess that three years from now, um, there's going to be just incremental improvement every year that gets eventually to that range. Um, You know, the other thing is that for two-car families, um, it's an electric car that has a range of 200 miles that somebody who's staying in the area every day can use, and then another gas-powered vehicle that's got better range. Sure. 
what you need. And that's totally practical today. Sure, with and that's, any number of different manufacturers, electric cars. Right, and that, that's George. That's why uh, my wife and I have one car as a commute car and one as a lease yeah. uh, because we don't drive it as much. And why not get more, uh, you know, luxury and comfortability and safety out of our lease that we can stay within the miles that's in our agreement? And along the lines of what Sean's talking about, maybe someone does an electric vehicle for around town. Just for me, I, I, I feel like if I'm going to go with that big of a change in my life or that big of a purchase, I, I want it to be the main thing, uh, the main vehicle. Hey, before we, before we let you go, Sean, you said not to laugh at you about the Plymouth Horizon. I had, I had an extensive uh, play car collection as a kid, you know, the little die-cast metal yeah, yeah. cars. And my uh-huh. absolute favorite one was a Plymouth... Uh, it was maroon in color, uh, the two-door, obviously, and it, and it had the, right. I don't know what they're called, but on the back window, they look almost like vents. Uh, I think they were probably plastic. Did yours have oh, those plastic vents on there? No, we didn't. I didn't have It's like an exterior vents. tint system of, of, of sorts. Ex- yeah, I remember seeing those on the road, and it was like to make the vehicle look sportier yes. or something. May, oh, that um, may have been called yeah. a sport back, yeah. Uh, but man, yeah. I, I love the Plymouth. So, what color was your Plymouth? Right. It was um, a beige yellow. Oh, beautiful! Living in, <laughs> well, living in Southern California, where it was smoggy, it was actually perfect because it was approximately <laughs> smog colored. I didn't need to wash it much because you couldn't tell anything was happening. Oh, that's great! You know, but the car got the car got great mileage, and you know, it was a, a four gear stick shift and fun. You know, I, was, I was happy with it. Yep. Well, thanks for calling in and thanks for listening. Great thoughts. We appreciate it. Well, I enjoy listening to you guys. A couple more months, I'll probably call in about something. You're doing a good job. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Talk Thank you, later. Sean. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Uh, interesting thoughts there from from Sean George. He's, he's a, Yeah, good thoughts. He's an electric car owner, and he's definitely coming, from a, uh, com- coming at that topic from that perspective. And I'm a skeptic of electric cars right now. But somewhere in the middle is the hybrid, and I know you guys at, at Mark Miller Subaru can now sell, uh, I, I believe it's Crosstrex in the hybrid variety, if people give you enough time to get them in stock, right? Yeah, yeah, we've gotten about a dozen in or so, um, and and they've been pretty popular. It's a good in-between, you know, it's a good compromise. You can drive on electric in the city, um, as long as you're, I think, under 65 miles an hour, Jeff was saying. If, if he goes a little bit over, it tends to go into gas mode on the freeway. Um, but, um, overall, I think he was going close to 2000 miles on his first tank of gas. So Jeez. that's not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he was on with us a couple weeks ago. He said he was almost at a thousand, uh, on the, on the original tank of gas. And, you know, he doesn't have to take the freeway to get to work and back. So that makes a bit of a difference, but he said it became, it's become a, like a challenge, a personal challenge for both he and his <laughs> wife when they get in that car. To, to keep it at 65 or just below yeah. there to make sure they don't go into the combustion engine portion of the, of the vehicle. And I think that's not only fun, but I think that's safer and obviously cleaner for our environment. So I, I see good all around with the hybrid. I think right now I'm, I'm firmly in the camp of hybrid. In the future, maybe I'll be uh, persuaded to get into fully electric, but right now the range just isn't enough for me to get into that game. Yeah, the range is tough. And I and I did enjoy hearing <clears throat> from a Tesla owner who has that real life experience. And, and he was able to, to mention that, you know, at highway speeds, your real range is closer to 300 miles versus the advertised, I think, 400 or 450 that the Tesla says. So um, it, it's always good to hear real world examples of what the, the cars can do so people can plan accordingly. And yeah, he made a great point, too, that, you know, we don't really think about is the gasoline car drivers because we can stop at any gas station there's a gas station on every corner right you know every little town has a gas station in it you're usually you know unless you're really trying you're not going to run out of gas right um with with an electric car you got to kind of plan things real well and i know the car has some software that helps you that tells you you know hey you got to stop here you're going to run out (laughs) before you get to your destination but it would definitely give you a little anxiety i think on, on the road yeah, I would. It would give me some uh, for sure. So thanks to Sean for bringing up that topic. Let's get back out to the phone lines eight five five three four zero zone. If you want to be part of the show, and I've missed this guy. I'm glad he's back, Pete. 
How's life treating you, buddy? Hey, what's up, Pete? Uh, hey, you guys. Uh, you know, I'm COVID free, COVID free so far. We'll it's a victory. It yeah, I like it. <laughs> hey, uh, as far as the iconic uh, vehicle, I would go with the Concorde. The Concorde? Why specifically? You're going to have to help me out. Are you kidding me? Mach 2? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Whoops. I don't know how I overlooked that one. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Uh, how much do you think they go for uh, a Concorde 2? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, you're, I'm talking about the plane. You, you realize what I'm right. talking about, right? The supersonic. Yeah. The supersonic. That's what yeah, I thought yeah, you were yeah. talking about. I'm like, I don't know of any Concorde car, but I know the plane. No, yeah. the the, the con It's a super airliner that gets to Mach 2. I'm asking how much do you think we could pull together and buy one? That's what I'm oh, wondering. Well. I don't think you can buy one because uh, they've mothballed they've mothballed them and they're on uh, display at the Smithsonian, oh. I believe, has one. Yeah, we we can find it. We can find. One. I've, I've there's a. Oh, did we lose Pete? Oh, we lost somebody. No, 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 I, just, I, I went from speaker style. to. Uh, Please consult your director. Oh, hold on one second. Again. We've got. Or ask your operator We've got for a bit of a phone issue this is here. A recording. Uh, <laughs> Eric, there you go. Let's, let's, but Pete's still there, right? Pete is still with us. Oh, we lost Pete. Oh, well. Anyway, the 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 Concord. I think we could probably find one someplace. I had I you know funny. I we were talking with Sean about the Plymouth in my diecast metal car collection. I had a Concord, uh, and I loved that thing. It, it's the the nose of if I'm not mistaken, the nose kind of dips forward. Uh, on the Concorde, on the Concorde Super Airliner, but oh, Pete's back with us. So, uh, oh, didn't they have a movie about the Concorde? Yes. Oh. Okay, I remember it. Yeah, that 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 plane was cool. Uh, Pete, you're back with us. Continue with your thoughts yeah. on the Concorde. Anyway, yeah, the 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 nose had to bend down be when they landed the thing because they couldn't see. The pilots needed to see over the nose, but when it was actually up doing Mach two, it was straight as an arrow. But uh, hmm. anyway, that that to me, just because, you know, all, other than military aircraft or NASA type vehicles, that's the only thing in the public realm that anybody, if you could afford it, actually went that fast on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ha have you seen what was that movie called? Uh, uh, airport, the Concord Airport or something like that in the 70s. Have you seen that movie? You know, I probably caught parts of it i don't know that i've seen it all the way through but it's terrible it's horrendous <laughs> i think robert wagner's yeah. in it and maybe george george kennedy susan blakely i think but it's awful it's terrible but you get some cool shots of the concord scene of the of the concord airplane yeah it's it's kind of sad that uh unfortunately it's no longer in service but uh <laughs> yeah that was uh that was quite the uh quite the transportation. Hey, speaking of transportation, um, I've been looking at some vehicles with, they're calling them branded titles. I'm assuming it's a salvage title. I'm just wondering what you guys mm. think about that because, um, you know, they come with a, at a substantial discount. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, they do. So branded title could mean a variety of things. Um, a, a salvage title basically means the car was wrecked. Uh, it was deemed a total loss by the insurance company and um they they were they didn't it wasn't fixable and somebody else bought it kind of patched it up and, and put it out there for sale so if it's if it's branded because it's a salvage title my recommendation would be really to stay away from it um you you really don't know how that car has been put back together you don't know if it's gonna um react the same in another crash if it's gonna be safe um uh you know and but uh, but a title can be branded for a variety of reasons it could be branded because the car was stolen. Um, it could be branded because of a mileage inconsistency on the title. And so really do your homework why a car was branded. If it's an older car and it just has, you know, a mileage inconsistency where maybe somebody put in on the title that, that the car had 200,000 miles when it really had 150 and then the, the miles went backwards, that could also be branded. And, and that's not necessarily a bad buy if the, if the miles are right and the car's in good condition. And if you can get a good good discount on it, but I would stay away from anything later model, um, anything you know, 2015 and up that's been wrecked and then put back together. I just my personal opinion is it's not worth the money. You're not going to get the the value out of the car when you go to sell it or trade it in. 
And so it's one of those things that, yeah, it's a good deal, but you kind of get what you pay for. Yeah, the ones I've been looking at, they've got this, I think they're a local outfit. They've been certified by this company, and I don't even know if I should mention their name. But uh, supposedly it's been gone through with the fine-tuned comb by these independent, uh, this independent outfit. Hmm. And so, you know, you know, I don't know. I it's, just, you know, you yeah. look at, uh, I mean, you look at especially trucks. I mean, God, there's right. especially anything newer is so freaking expensive. Yep. And you're like, well, I mean, it's a truck. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to probably, you know, do a lot of dirty work with it anyway. Mm. So what if it's been, you know, maybe uh, put back together? And if I can save, you know, fourteen, sixteen thousand right up off the MSRP, you know, at least what it went for initially. So it's kind of tempting. I don't know. Yeah, it is tempting. You know, and I, that's, I get, the, I get the temptation. The biggest worry for me would be the safety. Um, because these days they don't total cars out if it was, you know, just brushed up against a deer or something. It's It's got to be something that's pretty severe for a car to be totaled. Um, and again, the, the safety aspect where you don't know how that car is going to do in another accident, in another collision, if it's going to be structurally sound. Um, and the other part is you, you don't usually get any warranty with it. Uh, the manufacturer warranty is all gone. Um, it would have to be the, the selling dealer that provides any warranty to it. And then not saying there aren't any, you know, good, um, um, retailers out there that do, uh, branded titles. Um, there may be, but I would just be extra cautious and do my homework. Yeah, those are all great points. And, you know, those are some things that I was thinking I'd, uh, obviously if I wanted to pursue it further, I'd definitely want to do find out exactly why and, you know, all the details about, you know, what was done and all those kind of things. And, you know, I'm assuming that if they're, you know, on the level, they'll be, they'll be willing to, to share all that information with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they should. If, if they're a legitimate uh, store that's doing it right, they should be able to share everything with you, give you all the information, and even let you take it to a independent, uh, maybe collision center that could take a look underneath, make sure everything was put together back right. Because um, like I said, th there are some that are put together right. There are some that I would just really stay away from. George, and this, is, this question is probably too individualistic for everyone's situation to ask, but I'm curious uh, for both of you, Pete and George, do you have any hesitancy about how much, if any, to go in on a loan for a, a salvaged title? Because for me, my reaction is, hey, if it's tempting enough and you've got some uh, cash to buy it, buy it outright, then maybe you take that gamble. I just wouldn't want to be left on the hook to finish a six-year loan on a car that I bought and three months later it's gone. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's, no, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I... I don't know too much about the lending on, on salvage titles. I know that there are some banks that just won't lend on them altogether. Um, I will share this when we go to appraise a car that's a, that's a branded or a salvage title. Um, the value of the vehicle is basically about half of the book value. Mm, yeah. So take a look at that too. When, you know, if the, if the price on a regular one's 40,000, but you're only saving 10,000 off a of salvage, that's not really a good deal. You, you, you need to be about half of what the, the normal value would be. It's just kind of how, how we look at things. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a really good uh, additional detail because, you know, like I said, these people that I've been looking at are discounting it, you know, off of original MSRP, which was around 40 to 43,000 down to in the mid, the mid twenties, wow. which, uh, you know, it was about 26, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, that seems like a pretty reasonable discount, but the vehicle is, you know, at least one of them was like, uh, three going on four years old. Um, yeah, they had some, what you want to look at there, Pete, is what, what would be the comparable book value of a three-year-old truck with comparable miles? And if it's, you know, 30,000 and, and they're only giving you this one at 26, then, then I would say that that's not a, a good enough deal for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, I'm, that's why I'm big reason why Cause MSRP but, doesn't really mean much when it comes to used vehicles. I know a lot of places will say you're saving 40% off MSRP, but MSRP is really only relevant when we're talking new vehicles. And even then MSRP cannot be the, the figure you really want to focus on. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just another piece of information to try and help you base your decision. But I mean, cause you, you know, obviously sure. everybody values it. At the manufacturer, at least initially, somewhere, 
And uh, so it kind of gives you some baseline, I guess. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was that was my biggest question. In fact, I've been wanting to ask that question for a few weeks, but you sure. guys have been on reruns. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now we're doing about every other week uh, a rerun for, for a little while here, but we're hoping to get back to every week live. Uh, I guess when you're looking at a salvage title, it kind of feels like you're looking at Dirty Harry's Smith and Weston 29 staring at you and you, you got to ask yourself that one question, Pete. Do I feel lucky? And uh, well, dig it. Yeah. well, well, big it, punk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, buddy. Good to have you back on the show. Thanks for calling. Hey, in. good to hear from you, Pete. Thanks, guys. You Bye. be good. All right, uh, we'll take our final break here on Utah Car Sense. Get more of your calls on the other side. Eight five five three four zero zone. Eight five five three four zero zone. More next right here on Utah Car Sense. <laughs> You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Utah Car Sense. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Excited uh, to be back on the air today. And we uh, are wrapping up uh, the show here in just a short 25 minutes or so. George Roska in for Jeff Miller. And we got a lot of ground to cover in these last few minutes this week, George, but people can always call in and share with us 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. Back to the the stay safe, stay active uh, topic. And just a a real quick reminder, what this is, is uh, it's been happening for years uh, overseas, but now it's happening more and more here in this country since the pandemic uh, came to our our lands. And and it's where they shut down uh, streets for big sections for uh, pedestrian use and small vehicle use for deliveries and things like that so that people can actually have more room to recreate and and go around and and get their exercise and enjoy outdoors during a quarantine uh, situation. And in Salt Lake City, they've done it in a a couple of places, and now you can go to slc.gov and give your feedback on a handful of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten other locations uh, actually, eleven other locations that they're looking at doing this here in Salt Lake County or Salt Lake City, I should say. Uh, but the way this uh, this this happened, uh, George, is uh, a woman named Lisa Orman is a spokesman and a advocate for this. Uh, I don't know what 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 do we call this? The shutting down of streets. Uh, she wants more of these uh, open streets, I think is what they're calling them. And she, what she's done is she's going around and she's asking elementary school-aged children to draw pictures for her of the streets, of their ideal streets. Imagine your ideal street and draw it for her. And she says that there's hardly ever a car being drawn on these children's imagined ideal streets. There will be playgrounds, there will be, you know, things, you know, swimming pools, there will be big parks, but there's never ever or hardly ever a car drawn by these children on the on their streets that they imagine. Uh, my reaction or my my initial thought is to ask you George, do you see a good use for open streets and should we have more of them here in Salt Lake City? Um, you know, I've got a different approach, I think, that I would like to see personally, but I don't disagree with the open streets concept in principle. I think it, it is nice to have more open space for people, um, green space. You know, our our cities shouldn't be dominated just by cars. It, it, there needs to be struck a balance. And I think here in Salt Lake, we've got a little bit of a unique advantage with just how wide the majority of our streets are to where we could really be doing both, right? Where we can widen our sidewalks, provide a little more space for people, provide some outdoor dining, you know, like they do in Europe, like they do in some bigger cities on the West Coast, on the East Coast, where the street itself, yes, you can still drive a car through it, but there it's for everybody. It's for cyclists, it's for pedestrians, it's for children to go out and play in and and be safe, um, people to walk their pets down. And so, I think you can you can provide both things and make both sides happy in this. Now it won't be easy or cheap because you're going to have to basically re 
redo a lot of different streets and provide bike lanes and one wider sidewalks and things like that. But I don't think we need to have an either or approach. I think we can have both. Jennifer Graham uh, wrote about a situation in the Deseret News uh, where in Queens, which is right near the, the epicenter of what was, at least in March, the worst section in the country for COVID-19, they shut down 34th Avenue, a major thoroughfare, to all but local traffic during the day in order to give co-opt-up residents more space to get outside while maintaining social distancing. But two weeks later, they had to reopen the street because they could no longer afford to pay the, the police that they were employing to monitor and keep those that street closed. And so they reopened it two weeks later. Well, uh, on YouTube, there's a video called Miracle on 34th Avenue. And what happened was the residents had come so much to enjoy having the, this street available for recreation and, and just general use that they took it upon themselves to form a, a little uh, union. And the city approved the plans. But essentially, the plan was to have neighborhood volunteers take charge of putting up barriers and signs when the road closed to outside traffic at 8 a.m. and then reopened again at 8 p.m. They took responsibility of monitoring the activity on the street and picking up trash. Uh, the road became open for recreational use again on May 13th. And in the video, you see a wide range of people uh, doing such things on the street, like rollerblading, uh, musicians performing, an exercise class, children drawing with chalk right there in the middle of the road. Uh, and the idea, at least what they're saying there in that uh, borough of New York City in Queens, is that they not only have a better self-awareness and self-mental health, but they're, they, they've said that they've met and formed relationships at a safe distance with neighbors they've lived near for decades or, 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 or more, or a decade or more, I should say, that they didn't even ever meet before this. And I think that, that that's such a, a benefit that in a, a worldwide pandemic where we're supposed to uh, shut everything down and, and zombify our houses and never leave again, I'm exaggerating obviously, but to finally get a chance to meet and, and get a relationship going with a neighbor you've lived next to for decades, this is a, a, a unique opportunity. And I think that those sorts of things show the beneficial side of shutting down a street. But like you were saying, it's not all beneficial because also in New York – there was another major thoroughfare where they tried to uh, – residents themselves tried to, to shut it down to all traffic at all hours of the day, and it turned into almost a, almost a, a police uh, action that had to take place there. This was pre-pandemic. This was back in uh, January or February uh, when I shared this story, and they had to uh, really uh, de-escalate a lot of ugly situations because there were business owners – that relied on traffic to get to their business or else they were going to lose their business. Yeah. Now we need to, we need to take a, a balanced approach to everything. You know, it's not going to be one, one size fits all. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, in Salt Lake, I think we've got a really big advantage with how just wide our streets are. We can, we can do everything, but no, I agree. And in general, I think we've given streets over to the car a little bit too much. Um, and, and that's somebody who's a car person saying that. So, um, I think we need to, we need a little bit more balanced approach, give, give bikes their, their space. Um, but something else you said that I thought was, was really funny and that I've observed in my day-to-day uh, -day life is neighbors who you've lived next to for 10 years that you don't <laughs> ever say hi to or know their names. seems like people are out on their porches more, at least, you know, still keeping a distance, but I go out and walk my dog, you know, a couple miles every day. And uh, I've seen more people since the pandemic out than I did before. So it's been kind of hmm. interesting. Right. Yep. Absolutely. All right. We do need to ask you uh, your expert opinion on this article from Fox Business. Uh, Costco, Wholesale Corporation, best known for bulk gro groceries, but an Issaquah, Washington-based company, it offers many items that some consumers may not even be aware of, ranging from jewelry to office electronics. And one of the less obvious perks for Costco members is the Costco Auto Program. And even though it's actually very popular, a lot of people don't know about this. Costco members bought more than 600,000 vehicles uh, through the program in 2019. Uh, and essentially what happens is Costco has a what they refer to as a strict regimented process of agreeing to auto dealers on an exact price of vehicles 
to then offer to their customers, and they often average uh, to save between a thousand or twelve hundred dollars uh, based on, on these savings that you get through Costco. But I know that it's not all it's cracked up to be, George. What are some of the pros and cons of purchasing a vehicle through Costco's uh, auto program? Well, the big pro, um, and, and what Costco's done is, is awesome in a way because they do what we do and they give you our your best price up front, right? It's, it's one price shopping through Costco. You don't have to haggle with, with a retailer. You don't have to go back and forth for hours trying to get a good deal. Um, you just get the price straight away. Costco will provide everything for you. You can even um, select the, the retailer that you want to purchase through. Um, they'll set you up. And from there on, the retailer kind of takes over. So Costco is more the middleman in this approach. You're not really buying the car from Costco. You're not going to go take the delivery of the vehicle from a Costco warehouse. Um, they're just setting you up with somebody that say, hey, they're Costco certified. We've gone through, talk to them. They're going to do business the way we want to. Um, so that's that's the big pro. Um, the con might be you might not have as much selection. Um, your cost, your local Costco might only have two or three retailers that they work with. Um, so you might not be able to get the, the vehicle of your choice. Um, for example, we don't work with Costco because of our one price. It's kind of ironic. But Costco wanted us to give their members a little bit better price than we give everybody else. Mm. And we said, I'm sorry, the whole point of our promise price is everybody pays the same. And then Costco said, well, unfortunately, you're not eligible to be part of our program. And that's OK. It, it's, it's their you know, uh, prerogative to say that. But the, the con can be that uh, the retailer that they partner with isn't necessarily giving you their best price. They're giving you a fixed price. But they may not be a one price store. And if you go in and negotiate, you might get a, a better price. So you want to make sure, like with everything, we always say, do your homework and make sure that, A, the retailer they've set you up with is a one price retailer, that the price they're giving you through Costco is the same price that they give you through the store. And that, that it, that's a competitive price in the market. Um, because like everything else, there's, there's multiple ways to, uh, to, to skin a cat and to buy a car. And of course, obviously, only members of Costco can use this this program. So that's a con if Correct. you're not a Costco member. But really, it's I don't know if I you can get a Costco membership for like sixty bucks a year. And if you're yeah, doing but it I, just I for go a out vehicle, and just get a Costco membership to, for this per se. <laughs> if you're a Costco member and you want to, you know, you're shopping for a car. Definitely take a look at it, see what they provide, but yeah. don't just go to Costco. Do, do your homework like everything else. Right. Uh, there's some really cool safety technology and features in Subaru with the eyesight. And uh, during the, uh, we had a, our car go in for a tune up and an oil check and a tire uh, blowout, and we got a Subaru Forester Sport 2020 to drive around. And one of the, there are so many cool features, but one of the, neatest uh, improvements between our 18 Crosstrek and the 20 Forester Sport was the lane keep system where it, it, the, the, in the Crosstrek it's lane assist so if you start to drift out of the lane it'll bump you back in and then if you're if you start to drift out the other way it bumps you back in but then that's it it doesn't keep you right in the middle of the lane the Super yeah. Forester Sport and I think the Outback has this as well now it's got that lane keep that splits the difference of the lane and keeps you right in the middle of it. And I was surprised to find uh, how much I actually hug the left side of a lane because I let it kind of do its thing. And it seemed to me like I was more to the right of the lane. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know if this is calibrated right, but I had my wife <laughs> behind me uh, and she said, no, it was right. It was right in the middle. And so yeah. it's really cool safety features. But one of the advanced things that might be coming our way, according to Princeton University, is researchers at Princeton have combined artificial intelligence and radar used to track speeders to develop a new system of safety feature that can see around corners and warn you of possible hazards before you or your vehicle can even be within eyesight of those systems. So, so essentially what they do is they send that Doppler radar, but they bounce a radio wave off surfaces such as buildings and parked automobiles. The radar signal hits the surface at an angle. Its reflection then rebounds off like a cue ball hitting the wall of a pool, ta pool table 
the signal goes on to strike objects hidden around the corner. Some of the radar signal bounces back to detectors mounted on a car, allowing the system to see objects around a corner and tell whether they are moving or stationary, which then, of course, enables cars to see occluded objects that today's LiDAR and camera sensors cannot record. For example, allowing a self-driving vehicle to see around a dangerous intersection. Uh, interesting stuff. How long do you think, have you heard of this technology being in the works, or, or do you think that this is still just a pie-in-the-sky hope? Um, I haven't heard of this particular technology, but I have heard uh, that's one of the biggest challenges they have is, okay, what's coming around that corner, right? Trying to figure out, uh, kind of predicting that next step for the car to take. But um, that sounds pretty cool. What you're describing, if if they can actually put that into practice, would be pretty magical. <laughs> it's almost like x-ray vision for your, for yeah. your car, uh, yeah. which would be phenomenal. And the fact that Every year, there seems to be another little uh, perk with the safety features on vehicles. And that's honestly, that is why we are full on in the camp of leasing a vehicle when it makes sense for you to do so. Because you get all this brand new stuff that keeps you safer and in a more luxurious feel feel of a, of a ride in a, in a car that you don't get with the other cars. So like at our house, we have the the Crosstrek lease with Mark Miller Subaru. It's got all the, the features and bells and whistles. The safety is so important to us. But then I drive to work every day in a, in a commuter car, and I'm like, ooh, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm not it's, as it's safe weird, in this isn't vehicle. It? Going back, like, after you drive a car with all the eyesight and the lane speed, but right. going back to kind of a, a, a dumb car, as I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> It's just weird, you know, and it's it's more exhausting. I feel like you're you're having to pay attention to more stuff, um, constantly be on the lookout. It's nice having the car help you out there. Um, like when we went on our road trip, we did 2,500 miles total, but on that first day, we, it was 900 miles straight. And I got there, and you know, I weren't I wasn't that tired because I had the eyesight on the whole time. I had my blind spot being monitored. I had all this stuff that that was assisting me. I was able to kind of enjoy the drive a little bit more um, than I normally would have, and I didn't get there as exhausted. Hmm. Uh, Amazon, they—they are of no short use. They—they don't—they don't need a GoFundMe at any point in the near future <laughs> no. to stay in business. They're, they're going to be good for a while. Yeah, uh, they've agreed to pay over one billion dollars to buy self-driving startup Zooks Incorporated, which I had never heard of in a move that would expand the e-commerce giant's reach in autonomous vehicle technology. Uh, a majority of Zook's investors are getting their money back, with some making a positive return. Lux Capital, DFJ, and Atlantis and co-founder Michael Cannon Brooks are some of the investors. Amazon and Zook's uh, have not immediately responded to requests for a comment from Reuters journalists, but the Wall Street Journal reported last month that the companies were in advanced talks and the deal could value Zook's at less than the $3.2 billion it achieved in a funding round in 2018. However, Amazon, who has stepped up its investment in the car sector, participating in a $530 million funding round early last year in self-driving car startup, Aurora Innovation, thinks that they can take on Zooks and then take on the world. Uh, and we know that for a long time now, Waymo with Google has been dipping into this uh, realm. And now Jeff Bezos and Amazon sees an opportunity uh, to get on board. And I think, George, as we talk about aut autonomous vehicles and the future and, and how soon they can get here, I think it takes so much equity and so much backing from a financial standpoint for to just pay for research and development and, and to do it in the right way that I don't see any, any uh, smaller company going to win this race. It's going to take guys like Amazon, Google, Apple, to get this thing uh, exactly where it needs to be before it's a full-fledged consumer product. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, and I think right now you're kind of in that stage two of the, of the self-driving car revolution or however people may want to coin it. But the, the first stage was, okay, you got all these small startups and Zooks and gosh, I had never even heard of some of these companies, but um, that did the research that got the venture capital funding over the last couple of years. And now you're seeing that kind of dry up 
whether because of the pandemic, although I really don't think that's the, the real cause. I think the real cause is you, you haven't seen as much consumer adoption. And so there's not money to be made into it. And so now you're to the point where investors have stopped wanting to put money in because they're not seeing that that return. And it is going to take an Amazon. It is going to take a Google and Apple that can burn a couple billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's no big deal to them um, in order for them to achieve their longer term goals, which in Amazon's case, I see them, you know, obviously doing delivery, things like that. A lot of warehouse transportation, semis, autonomous, I could see. Amazon investing heavily in that, where Google's more going to want to be an uh, Uber competitor and use that uh, technology to just basically take more data from us. Right. So each company is going to come at this in a different approach and what their motivation is going to be is going to be completely different. But we're now in that stage two, and it'll be interesting to see where stage three takes us. Yep, absolutely. It'll be interesting for sure. Uh, and then real quick, as we end this week's show, 2,000 cars melted in a cargo ship blaze over a week ago off the coast of Ouch. Florida uh, in Jacksonville's port. A Chinese vessel uh, uh, from Hogue Auto Liners carrying 2,000 used vehicles that were headed for, quote-unquote, new owners in the United States. The cargo ship uh, caught fire, and all but, I think it said, 16 of the 2,000 vehicles were uh, lost. Uh, complete loss in the 350 degree uh, fire that took over 25,000 gallons of water to douse. Uh, just incredible. So if you were expecting a used vehicle uh, to be coming to you from China via the Jacksonville port, check twice. Make sure uh, <laughs> y you're not waiting around for something that, quote unquote, literally went up in smoke. So bad joke there. But seriously, I, that looked like something out of a movie. Just this cargo Bummer, ship. Yeah, I mean, you, you've heard of some go down and sink, and then they turn into coral reefs at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. But uh, yeah, I haven't heard of this one uh, getting burned. That's a, that's a bummer. Well, George Roska, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, it was good to be here, Austin. Uh, let's do, do it again and in studio, hopefully next time. You got it. Visit George and the good people at Mark Miller Subaru, thirty-five thirty-five South State for the Midtown location, or there in the Auto Mall uh, on State Street in Sandy. He's George Roska. I'm Austin Horton. And for Eric Jensen behind the glass, our thanks to our callers today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week on Utah Car Sense.